0: Welcome, welcome to part four of the eight. Uh, of and We are near the end of our series on becoming orthodox on purpose. If you are just joining us here for the first time, all three previous sessions are on YouTube if you want to check them out because you're coming just near the end of our series as we are trying to become intentional about pursuing the ancient faith. A lot of us might take it passively or just do it just to check a checkbox or just born into it without really thinking about why in the world am I a follower of Christ, and why am I pursuing it in the ancient faith of Orthodoxy? So we are being intentional about pursuing the ancient faith. Hence the name of the series is Becoming Orthodox on Purpose. When we first started the series, uh, for part one, I showed this picture. Both are burgers. Both are 100% burgers. And both can satisfy an appetite a little bit. But the beauty of the burger on the right, on, yeah, on the right, Is it has everything. It's there to fulfill every, I mean, it's, it's, it's everything. I mean, that's the, that's the legit burger right there. The beauty of our ancient faith, it has everything there to satisfy any curiosity or appetite that we have. You are here because you are wanting more out of life. I'm here because I'm wanting more out of life. If I am pursuing a burger, if I'm wanting to get more out of life, why not go for the real thing? If both are the same cause, why not pursue the real thing, the full burger? And this is what orthodoxy is all about. That it's not just a, you know, a wander down Christianity, it has the fullness of us finding our purpose, our identity, and our freedom found in our Heavenly Father and in Christ. Raise your hand if you know the game of telephone. I don't remember. Okay, for those who don't know what the game of telephone is, tel- the game of telephone is like, I'm going to tell Ramsey, you know, whatever random sentence. I'm going to tell him... You know, my socks are are black. I'll tell him that. And then somehow, as he, like, tells the person, I'll tell him, okay, Ramsey, I need you to whisper in Mina's ear, Mina whispered in Matthew's ear, and it goes all the way around. Somehow, by the time it gets all the way to the back, it's like, you know, the weirdest lie, fabricated thing, just because it has been lost over time. So the beauty of our ancient faith is that everything that we do, everything that we do has its source and its origin from the year 33. Everything that we have has its source and origin from there. Many of us would use the term, we are a traditional church. And the connotation that comes to mind when somebody says, what are you? Are you guys like Greeks? Are you, like, are you guys like Catholics? Well, you know, we're just uh, you know Christian. We're a very traditional church. And, m- and many of us have a negative connotation to the word traditional. I'd like to show a clip of something we can all relate to of a Jewish man talking about his view of tradition. A fiddler on the
1: roof. Sounds crazy, no? But here, in our little village of Anatevka, you might say every one of us is a fiddler on the roof, trying to scratch out a pleasant, simple tune without breaking his neck isn't easy you may ask why do we stay up there if it's so dangerous well we stay because Anatevka is our home and how do we keep our balance that i can tell you in one word tradition <laughs> of our traditions, we've kept our balance for many, many years. Here in Anatevka, we have traditions for everything. How to sleep, how to eat, how to work, how to wear clothes. For instance, we always keep our heads covered and always wear a little prayer shawl. This shows our constant devotion to God. You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, Every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. One day Alright.
0: Once he said he covers his head, I realize I forgot my hat. <laughs> 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 anyway. We can relate a lot to this guy. Once he said um, You know, he's like, you know, I'll tell you why we do everything. Everything is because of tradition. But where did it come from or why do we do it? I don't know. And a lot of us can relate to that. I mean, we see a lot of things that are done in the church, but why and where did that come from? I don't know. But there's one line at the end that I love that he said uh, in the the movie. He says, but through tradition, everyone knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Through tradition, everyone knows who he is and what God expects him to do. To do, many of us, many of us, when we think of tradition, are like ugh, long, outdated, boring, unrelated. Every rite, every ritual, every tradition in the church is there to hold our hand and to guide us to know, for us to know who we are and who God is to us. The church is there as our mother. Maybe you'll hear that the church being described in a feminine way because we use the imagery of God being our mother to hold our hand and to guide us and to knowing. For us to, to, to bring us closer to God. The church as a mother would say, okay, you know what, this is, I want you to, when you talk to God, I want you to use the sign of the cross. This will help you be more engaged in prayer. When you come to worship, physically prostrate yourself because that will be something to do physically, to remind yourself of something mentally, that I'm nothing, that my, my identity comes from God. It's not my own logic. Maybe I need to put down my pride. So the church is holding our hand to give us these traditional exercises to guide us, to guide us. Many of us, would, we mix tradition with everything, like certain types of food for certain types of occasions, that's tradition ju- the same way that doing the sign of the cross is a tradition. And we kind of just mix everything all together, and when we kind of mix everything all together, it's hard to know what is cultural, what is true to the ancient faith, and what is tradition as par- being part of our church, and we kind of mix it all together. I'll tell you one thing that I thought was 100% like a tradition or a, uh, a rite in the church, and it's this. Baby, can you pray for us? Let those that didn't come this week come next week. Amen. I honestly thought this was like the, the go to prayer that you say when you're like in third grade in Sunday school is that you say, Lord, if who didn't come this week, make sure they come next week. I noticed as a kid, everyone was ending their prayer that way. So I thought that was like the tradition of the church. That's an example of how tradition has been mixed in with a lot of different things, and we do not know what's true to the fullness of the church and what has just been added over time for cultural reasons or for other reasons. A lot of people, when they talk about tradition, will describe tradition in two ways. Tradition with a lowercase t and tradition with a capital T. Tradition has been the foundation of the church ever since day one. But when I say tradition, I'm talking about sacred tradition. Talking about sacred tradition. Once Jesus established the church, there were certain habits, lifestyles, exercises that people who followed Jesus would do in order to reach the fullness of life, in order for them to reach to being more like God. And those all became part of the traditional lifestyle of the church and became embedded into the church. Newsflash. The Bible did not come from the from the heavens, from a cloud, the second Jesus ascended, all of a sudden there was a Bible like just glowing and it's all pure gold and the disciples said, ah, now we know how to be a Christian. The biggest strides in Christianity, the biggest growth exponentially in the church existed when there was not even such a thing called the Bible. The biggest growth of the church occurred for 360 years without even a Bible. People had no idea what a Bible is, because tradition was what was fueling the church for people to get more out of life, and pr- people who wanted to pursue Jesus in the first 360 years and even till now would follow the sacred tradition. If you get nothing out of this talk whatsoever, if you get nothing out of this talk whatsoever, everything I, everything we're going to talk about for the next 15 minutes rotates around this one sentence: sacred tradition is the most important catalyst. To seeking the fullness of life. Sacred tradition is the most important catalyst in seek, to seeking the fullness of life. Not the Bible, not the Bible, but sacred tradition. Because this is what fueled the church for the first 360 years before there was such a thing as the Bible. Tradition is the most important catalyst for me seeking the fullness of life and for you to seeking the fullness of life. And I want to give you several examples to show you. Tradition is the foundation of who we are as Orthodox Christians. An early Christian by the name of St. Athanasius the Apostolic. He was uh, an Egyptian uh, Christian leader in the 4th century. And he was a pioneer in putting together the creed, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. And he said uh, this. Let us look at the very tradition, teaching, and faith of the Catholic Church. From the very beginning which the Logos, was Jesus, Jesus gave, the apostles preached, and the fathers preserved. Upon this, the church is founded. For the first several centuries, the church was not called the Orthodox Church, it was called the Catholic Church. And we talked about it several, uh, several weeks ago. Uh, the, the Catholic Church is the whole church. The church is there to make us whole. We're all fragmented in our lives, but the church is there to make us whole. That's why the church is called the Catholic Church. But let's look at the very tradition, teaching and faith of the Catholic Church from the very beginning, which Jesus gave, the apostles preached, and the fathers preserved. Upon this, this is the, this is the foundation of our one holy Catholic and apostolic church. So tradition is the foundation of who we are as Orthodox Christians. And this Greek word, parodices is the Greek word for tradition, used over 13 times in Scripture, talking about how important tradition is to us being better at life by following it. Jesus. So, what in what on earth is apost- what, what on earth is sacred tradition? So, I'm going to give you several examples of what is sacred tradition. The first one is apostolic origins. Like we say in our mission statement as Christians, we say that we are one holy, Catholic, and apostolic Church. When we say that we're apostolic, that we are continuing what Jesus gave the disciples, what Jesus gave the apostles, and what they continue to preach, we are we are continuation of that. We have a direct continuity, not just through the hierarchy or the clergy, but all of us are apostolic. All of us are continuing the lineage and continuity of what Jesus began. If I ask you, where did we get the idea of fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays? Oh, that's just like an old Egyptian tradition. Uh, why do we do the sign of the cross? Uh, you know, that's just probably just an Egyptian thing. No, all that's sign in the Bible? You can't tell me. Well, the Bible says this? No, because all those practices, those just set, just a few examples existed before there was such a thing as the Bible. Early Christian followers did these practices. Why? This is part of the sacred tradition of the church because they have apostolic origins. Going back to the, to the gospel of St. John. St. John, he's writing everything that he remembers he saw Jesus do. And at the end of his, of his record, he says, I don't have enough papyrus paper to write down everything I saw Jesus do. I don't have enough paper to write down everything I saw Jesus do. So our identity as followers of Christ is not just because the Bible says so. The early, if you ask a Christian in the year 120, you ask a Christian in the year 80, you ask a Christian, a Christian in the year 300, why are you a Christian? They would not say because the Bible tells me so. They're a Christian because they found freedom, they found their identity, and as they explored who Jesus is to them. We have apostolic origins. And the practice that we have is because of records from manuscripts from these apostles and from those early Christians. Just a few examples I give you is the sign of the cross. You can't find me a verse that says, thou shalt do the sign of the cross a thousand times on Sunday. You won't find that verse anywhere. But that's the foundation of our tradition as being followers of the ancient faith. Let me give you an example from scripture. Let me give you an example from scripture. St. Paul... Was one of the biggest missionaries on planet Earth of, of spreading the word of God, and he wrote several letters to different cities. So he was writing one letter to the city of Greece, to, to a city in Greece called Thessalonica, and he wrote this letter. He wrote two letters to the city. So his second letter, he said this to the people living in that city: Therefore, brethren, I want you to stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught. Whether by words, something you have heard from a Christian leader or from me, or something that you have received in a previous letter from me, this I want you to hold steadfast and hold to the traditions which you have been taught. You're not saying, I want you to do everything the Bible says and that's it. You're saying I want you to, hold a, to be made whole, to be made full, I want you to follow the sacred traditions of the church, either written on, on, in, on, on a, a papyrus paper, on a on, on paper that you have, or that you have... Uh, that you've heard from a Christian leader. I want you, because all of that is there to make you whole and to heal you. Let me give you another example from Scripture of a letter that St. Paul wrote to his friend Timothy. And I intentionally took a screenshot of this from the Bible from online. I'll tell you why. He says this. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself And the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. So this is St. Paul writing to Timothy. And then he, like, now there's this different format of this part where he says this. God was manifested in the flesh, Jesus, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, Gentiles is anyone that's not Christian, believed on in the world, received up in glory. Why on earth is this part of the verse written in that way? It's indented and it's kind of like in a poetic form at the bottom of that. You'll see that in a, there's something called like a physical Bible uh, where they have, where it's like this. Why is it written out like this in a physical Bible? Because this is an ancient hymn of the church. This is an ancient hymn of the church. That he was sharing with them a hymn that they said together in the Eucharist. This is what a lot of scholars say. This is why it's written like this. This is kind of like a condensed like abbreviation of who we are as followers of Christ. And it's written like this intentionally to show this is like an ancient hymn of the church. And this was written on a, a letter sent from Paul to Timothy in the early centuries before there was such a thing as the Bible. That is one aspect of sacred tradition, apostolic origins. The second one is patristics. Patristics is just a fancy word for church fathers. For church fathers. As the church began to, to grow grow exponentially, a lot of the church fathers, the leaders, would write down their meditation and comment commentary on different epistles and different parts of Scripture. And they would have different meditations on various aspects. And for the church to know how should we interpret how the Bible should be put together, there's something called consensus patrum, which is a Latin word meaning taking the consensus of the church fathers. For us to know like what's an extreme view of this verse or an extreme view of that, there is a consensus between the early church leaders to know how should we view, what does this verse actually mean? What does this have to do with my life? And that view of how we should look at every verse came from the early church fathers of getting the consensus from the early church fathers altogether. This is a super fascinating part. If I took all the commentary, all the meditations of the early church fathers from the first 300 years, and I laid all the papers down on the stage, and I laid them all, again, there's no such thing as a Bible yet, and I laid them all out, I can find every single verse of the Bible except 11 verses. If I take all their manuscripts of all the early Christians, again, there's no such thing as a binded Bible yet, I took all of them. I can find every single verse of the Bible except 11 verses. To me, that is super cool to know how much these manuscripts have lasted and endured over the first three centuries before there was an official gathering to say, this is the Bible. That if I take all the early manuscripts and put it together, that is part of our sacred tradition. Another part of sacred tradition is liturgical texts. It is liturgical texts. We have clear records from from the book of acts which records the early life of the early christians and even after the first first 50 years the first 100 years of the apostles there's there's documents called like apostolic constitution dedicate other manuscripts other writings that describe of how the the christians would get together in a room like this and break bread and this is the terminology used in the book of Acts, and in other places of Christians coming together to break bread. This is them celebrating the Eucharist. This is what brought them together as a body for them to find healing together and find communion with God and with each other. So liturgical text is embedded into the foundation. Like Liturgy was celebrated from day one. This is why Jesus made a big deal on that Thursday night to celebrate this moment as part of your healing. This is why it's an integral part of us following the ancient faith. Now it has become more formalized of how we celebrate liturgy. But back when it was originally being celebrated, that's why sometimes you'll see like a random amen. For us, when we're in liturgy, you'll see a random amen, a random I believe. Because in the early centuries, it would just be a complete party for an hour. They would just Somebody would just yell, amen, amen, you know, and it would, it, just because they're just celebrating the communion of Christ together. But over time, as the church began to exponentially grow, they needed to kind of bring more structure to it. And that's what we have today. So the liturgy was embedded even before there was such a thing as the Bible. Another component of sacred tradition is the councils. Council is just a fancy word of early Christians getting together in a room to create structure and clarity to what they believe as as far as being followers of Jesus. Many of us have heard of the council of Constantinople and Nicaea and Ephesus. These church Christians would get together, these leaders would get together in these cities to establish what do we believe in as, as Christians. And this has helped us create structure and clarity of who we are as followers of Christ. So councils were, were gatherings. It wasn't just an isolated person saying, oh, we should believe this from now on. Another person saying, no, no, we should do it. No, it was a group getting together as one body for us to determine and for them to be inspired by the Holy Spirit to know who, what is our identity as being followers of Jesus. Another aspect of sacred tradition is icons. Icons. Icons are not intended to look real. That's why to a lot of people that are not used to it, it looks kind of funny. It looks kind of funny, but that's intentional. Because it's supposed to look funny to, to, to show us uh, a window into heaven. That through it, I can meditate on it and learn theological truths. I can learn divine truths by meditating on a certain icon. Just, again, somebody can take an entire course on iconography. Just be able to understand the depth and beauty of the icons. But just taking one example, you'll see in many icons that the mouth is always smaller. That it's not proportional. Again, it's not supposed to be, look realistic. But the mouth is always smaller. And a meditation for me, as I look at it, I say, you know, maybe I do talk a lot. Maybe I don't hear enough. It's funny for me saying that as I'm talking this whole time. But you know what I'm saying. That maybe it's a meditation. Maybe I need to be more attentive to hearing his word instead of always talking, talking, talking. So it's a meditation I can get from just meditating on an icon. An icon is a window into heaven and not just a realistic picture. But this is what the church used for early centuries, especially when a lot of people didn't know how to read, that they would become closer to God. They would know. They would find healing. They would find their purpose in life just by meditating on the icons as they came to church. Last component I would like to talk about as far as a component of sacred tradition is sacraments. Sacraments. Now we're going to spend a whole 30 minutes on this next Sunday as far as what are sacraments. If I ask many of you, what is sacrament? Many of you guys say, yeah, it's a mystery. Okay, what's a mystery? I have no idea. What are sacraments in the church? Sacraments, again, is something that's from, from day one that was used in the church. Sacrament is something that we see visible. It's something invisible working through something visible. Something invisible working through something visible. It's God's invisible grace working through a visible means. Something visible that points to something invisible. We'll talk more about that next week as far as what are sacraments to us and why is that such a big deal. I want to finish off with this quote by a Russian Orthodox priest as he talks about tradition. I love this quote. Tradition is not a principle striving to restore the past using the past as a criterion for the present. What is he saying? He think it, 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 tradition is not just, it, something we have to, just because it was done in the past, we have to do it, it's tradition, tradition. We, we've just been doing it all this way this whole time, this is why we do it. Tradition is not a principle striving to restore the past, using the past as a criterion for the present. Such a con- conception of tradition is rejected by history itself and by the consciousness of the Orthodox Church. Tradition is the constant abiding of the spirit and not only the memory of words. Tradition is charismatic, not a historical event. Tradition is what flows through the life and spirit of the church. Does tradition manifest itself in di- different ways? Absolutely. But what's true is the spirit of our sacred tradition. Does that evolve? Yes, yes. But the spirit of what tradition is and our sacred tradition, the foundation of this list, th- this is vital. This is the foundation of our ancient faith that has existed for 2,000 years. Not just because the Bible says, and not just because some random guys said, we do this, we do this in church. No, but this is there to make us full. Sacred tradition is the most important catalyst for us to reach the fullness of life. This is what I want for all of us when we see the traditions of the church. That it's not just, ugh, it's outdated, it's boring. But there might be something there for my healing. Who am I? I just got into the picture, whatever, how many years ago. But this has existed for 21 centuries. This has existed for, for, for ages. Maybe there's something there for me to benefit me, to, to give me healing. Let's stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God in us. Lord, there's a lot of things we don't understand. There's a lot of depth and richness in, in your church. But we know all of it is there to give us healing, all of it is there to edify us, all of it is there to bring us closer to you. How? Maybe we don't know. But we know through your profound love and depth and mystery of who you are, you give it to us all for our healing. Lord, help us to, to have that open mind of acceptance and humility to understand that the beauty of your original one holy catholic and apostolic church is there to give us healing help us to see that and for us to dive closer to you so we can become orthodox on purpose through the prayers of all your saints here's as we pray together our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but the rest from the evil one. And Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, guys. Two quick announcements real quick.